Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Welcome to Let's Get To, the baseball podcast from the fans' perspective. Here's your host, James Christopher. So thank you for joining Let's Get To. I am your host, James Christopher, and we do have a full show. We're joined with the general manager of the Gwinnett Stripers, the AAA affiliate of the Atlanta Braves, Mr. Adam Fisher. We talked to Ken Robertson, known as the Baseball Traveler on Twitter, about his exploits traveling around the country with his son Matt just seeing baseball. We've got more stuff about baseball that my dad hates. We're going to highlight some really cool promos, and we made it out to our first San Antonio Missions game of the year. Like I said, full show. Hope you stick with us. So we'll jump right into last night. We had the opportunity, Jessica and I, to go to the San Antonio Missions game with our, my brother-in-law, Nathan, and his wife, Shelly. It was our Christmas present um, this year. You know, we got one of those cute little coupons and a card that said we get one free night of baseball with them. We had a blast. The San Antonio Missions have always been kind of special to Jessica and I. When we got out of the Army uh, in 2002, we moved to San Antonio for a lot of different reasons. And so in some ways, the Missions were my first experience with minor league baseball. Jessica grew up going to missions games, but I grew up going to Astros games, and it was very different. And in some ways, some people who are used to my, to major league stadiums maybe wouldn't dig it as much. But I really dug the vibe that came with minor league baseball. Clearly, right? I started a podcast. But there's something a lot more local about it with a lot more flavor, and it feels a lot more independent and, and mom and pop in a way. And everything about the culture of San Antonio really vibes through a San Antonio missions game. You know, it's a very Texas city and it's a very Mexican city all at the same time. And those influences overlap in both the fashion and the food and the music and all of that stuff. And it really feels like this great coming together of a lot of things. You know, you're at a missions game. You're going to hear Selena. You're going to hear Spanish music, the food, like really good street tacos. Um, and then a thing called a balapeno dog, which fortunately for everybody in the car ride home, at least for my car ride home, it was sold out, although Nathan got one. And this thing, so Balapeno is one of San Antonio Mission's mascot, who is a baseball-playing jalapeno. And the Balapeno dog is a quarter-pound hot dog, bun, chips, nacho cheese, and chili. What is more bringing cultures together than that? But no, again, I really love the vibe at Wolf Stadium. It's, it's again, it's an older park. I don't know how long it'll be able to be sustained as a AAA stadium, but there's a vibe about San Antonio that I love. It isn't just the Mexican thing and it isn't just the Texan thing, but there's a military vibe to it too, because San Antonio is a military town. And as a vet, I really love that connection to the game. I really love the way they really put real effort into the presentation of the colors and the national anthem. It really does create a very, very accessible hometown vibe. And when you factor in how big a city San Antonio is, it's no small feat. So we had a great time. And Nathan, Shelley, thank you so much for bringing us out. We will definitely get back this year later on. You know, and one of the cool things about the missions is that they are one of baseball's oldest teams. And speaking of just going way back, we will be sharing some kind of fun minor league baseball historical tidbits as we go through this. And it was brought to my attention the story of Emil Yeed. And I'm absolutely sure I said that wrong. But he was a pitcher in the 30s for the Hollywood Stars, which is an old PCL team. And he had the unlucky stat of losing a game in the 11th inning for not throwing a pitch. 
He inherited bottom of the 11th, bases loaded, and on his first attempt to pitch the ball, committed a balk and moved the runner in. So that happened this week about 80 years ago. So sad for him, but fun stat. Now, one of the things we'll be doing again is like part of the show is really to help educate my baseball friend fans and really kind of show them that there's a whole world out there outside of just the 30 Major League Baseball teams. And one of the things where minor league baseball is really killing it is in their branding and their team identity. And so I'm going to be doing my thing that I do with my movies, right? Those of you who listen to my movie podcast know that I am obsessed with lists. I love to make lists. And so we're going to be listing out some of my favorite brands by division of team. So I hope you check out the following. These are my five favorite rookie affiliate leagues and they're like brand design from their logo to their uniforms to just kind of how it um, how they present themselves to the public. Number five is the Orem Owls. Number four, the Missoula Osprey. Number three, the Ogden Raptors. Number two, the Billings Mustangs. And number one, designed by Brandios, the Rocky Mountain Vibes which really embraces a whole lot of what Colorado's about. If you get my meaning and if you take a look at the logo, you will get my meaning. So check these teams out. Follow them on Twitter. They really got a lot of fun stuff going on. I think it's really the thing that kind of is really helping propel minor league baseball forward. As we've covered on the show already and as we will continue to cover, minor league baseball is as much an entertainment business as it is a sports business. And some of that falls through in the branding. The other thing that really kind of drives the branding and something that minor league baseball is really, really getting into and, and major league baseball is kind of bringing back a little bit is the mascot. Now, Mr. Met is credited with being the first major league baseball mascot. And I remember 2002, they had a big birthday party for him and the mascots from all over the major league baseball went to, went to Shea stadium for his party, which I thought was sort of cute, but I just generally speaking, love mascots. And especially when they make sense, when they are used to help drive the branding of the team. And if you think about it, like we've heard from other members of minor league teams, in minor league teams, sometimes that's the only way to really sell the team because the players change from week to week sometimes. So some of the baseball mascots that I love, I obviously love Orbit from the Astros. I love Paws from the Detroit Tigers. And I love the Philly Fanatic, which is, you know, obviously one of the most iconic. For minor league baseball, again, Slugger the Sea Dog, follow him on Twitter. Champ from the Lake Monsters is another one. It's a great logo design, and then the monster itself is really, really cute. And just a really special shout out to Nutsy and Natasha. <laughs> Get it? Nuts and Nuts for the Richmond Flying Squirrels, which is another really cool logo designed by Brandios. So check those guys out. But what's really cool about it is, is that they're great ambassadors to the game. They're a great way for teams to, again, spread the message of their team. And it's a good way to bring in very, very young people in. You know, it's that Disney thing where you bring very, very young fans in and then they get connected to the other parts of the game and then they stay. But I think what makes mascots work really, really well, particularly in baseball, you know, in other sports, they're generally speaking, the relationship between the mascot and the fans is the primary relationship. But I love that in baseball, you oftentimes will get, you'll get a relationship between the mascot and the players, both on opposing teams. And I'm thinking of the relationship that Orbit had with Chris Archer. And they had this very playful back and forth where they were pranking each other. You know, when Archer would come in from Tampa Bay, you know, I think Archer, like during a pregame of an Astros game issued um, Orbit a declaration that he was not a very nice person. And so there was just this back and forth. And then, and then I remember even Archer getting hurt and Orbit 
sending a nice mess a nice message on Twitter that the whenever the Astros and Rays played each other, it wouldn't be the same. You know, and I'm again reminded of another orbit story when we were watching. It was right after the hurricane had hit Houston and and the Astros were playing the Mets. And then Orbit got into a game of catch with one of the Mets players. And they were doing this thing where neither of them would throw the ball all the way to each other. So they would just throw it a little bit short. So the other one had to walk and walk and walk. You, You can find some of Orbit's antics, but I love the fact that the players of the other teams often often play along. And I think it's one of those things that, again, makes baseball and, and particularly minor, minor league baseball that much more special. From the bleachers, the let's get to game of the week. So we are coming to you live from the bleachers on a beautiful San Antonio night as the now AAA San Antonio missions take on the Nashville Sounds. And I am with the world's best sister-in-law. Miss Shelley Vivey, who this is our Christmas present. Thank you for for yes, Merry Christmas. It's great. And (laughs) could we have dialed up a better night? We could not have dialed up a better night. It's beautiful. The wind is blowing. The crowd is is calm but excited. So we've had a fantastic time so far. So we have amazing seats. Just to give everybody some perspective, that earlier Jessica said I could reach out and touch that guy, and I was like, well, don't. (laughs) That's Um, true. (laughs) So you are a baseball fan. We're not supposed to do play-by-play, but that was a pretty sweet catch by the center fielder. Um, but you're a baseball fan from way back, so tell me a little bit about just when did you first get into baseball and knew that it was something you liked to do and go to see? Well, I would say that my, my love of baseball came from my parents. They um, were living in Houston when the Colt 45s were... Um, you know, gaining popularity, sure. um, and they were they loved Houston, they loved the area, and so they basically went to the Astrodome often in their early years of dating. And some of my earliest memories of going to when, of course, Colt 45s were the Astros was right. into the Astrodome, seeing that fantastic scoreboard, and you know the the different colored roads rows of seats and. The music and you know it, it, the, the memories are so early. I feel like am I remembering the photos or am I remembering remembering them as memories? Because it was I was that young that I was going to the games. Right. But I've been a fan ever since. I mean, I remember even in high school dressing up as an Astros uh, <laughs> player and had my bat. <laughs> I'm sure going going to school. And you know, pulling off the whole thing. I know that um, Corpus Christi Day, as as a high schooler, went with a friend of mine, rode the bus up to Houston for Corpus Christi Day, and saw the Astros. So I was very much, you know, a fan for a long time. I love that. The puppy taco. Okay, I'm sorry, so I have to no, point him yeah, out so because that is a thing here. So. <laughs> I hope y'all can hear us over the crowd, but one of the cool things about San Antonio, and they've been doing this since I've been coming to the games for like 15 years ago, is Henry's Puffy Taco. Tell everybody about Henry's Puffy Taco. Henry's Puffy Taco is amazing. He is um, a mascot. Oh, my goodness, T-shirts are being thrown everywhere. Um, But Henry's Puffy Taco is um, a mascot uh, that comes out. And I want to say, I don't know if it's during the game or, I mean, because the last time I was at a missions game was in the 90s. And today, I was even like, you know what? 
If they don't have that puppy taco anymore, I'm going to be so sad because that is definitely a part of the missions. Right. And um, But I remember the puppy taco running around the bases and all the kids would, like, chase them and, you know, whoever could, like, touch them would could win. catch them, yeah. And, I do think they still do that. I think it's in the seventh or eighth inning. Okay. We'll, we'll have, okay, good. We'll have to do some live play-by-play <laughs> of Henry's we, puppy taco We race. will have to do that. Yeah. But, so, I, but I love the idea that... Your dedication to baseball and the Astros, I mean, you were taking, because a bus ride from Corpus to Houston is not fast. No, especially when you're on a bus. <laughs> so I know that you have a special memory about an Astros game and your dad. Oh my gosh, I do. One of my earliest memories is we were at the Astrodome, um, I, the opposing team my uncle um, was playing for, and um, so we had pretty sweet seats. Um, right next to the dugout and I again being young was like you know I kept seeing all these foul balls you know when people yeah. were catching them and of course you know me being the young one going daddy daddy I want I want a baseball and uh, before you continue I'd like to point out that your husband has gotten another beer and now he's got nachos oh my word yes oh no 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 oh, oh no. no no what is this jalapeno dog oh it's a jalapeno dog we might have to get a photo of that it's a hot dog on a bed of nachos. Uh, we're going to try this one later. So, yes. sorry. So, you got sweet seats. You're seeing foul balls coming sweet, everywhere. Sweet seats. Foul balls are going everywhere. And, you know, me being my four or five-year-old self was like, Daddy, Daddy, you know, get me. I, I want a ball. I want a ball. And, um, and sure enough, like within probably like an inning or two, um, there was a ball that came towards us. <laughs> it was down on the ground. But my dad, I remember him dangling <laughs> over the wall and basically fumbling with that ball. And he actually, you know, came up, brought it up and handed it to me. And so, you know, from that day forward, I thought my dad could do anything. Well, that's a pretty amazing. <laughs> I like how that, that almost turned into Shelly's dad's first trip to jail. For, I for, know. For like falling over the fence. And, the and I actually still have that baseball. I asked him to bring it out recently, and um, I have have the baseball at my house. So, what are some of your more favorite? And that's a foul ball down oh. the right field side. No, what are some of your more favorite recent baseball memories that you've had? Oh my goodness! Um, gosh, the Round Rock Express, going out to those games, beautiful nights, especially yeah. when they have the concerts after the. After the plays, um, one of my favorite parks is um, the Hooks Park down oh, in Corpus yeah, Christi. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just, I mean, I grew up in Corpus Christi, and so seeing the bridge, being able to watch the the large um, ships coming in and out of port while you're sitting there watching a baseball game is fantastic. Um, and so I would just, I just the whole the whole feeling of a baseball game is it, it's it's almost like your home every time you're here because it's just it's so calming and just anyway beautiful. I, no, I do think that's I think that's a big part of it. I think that you know obviously because for those of you who don't know Shelly, Shelly is about as intense a Longhorn <laughs> fan as there is. And speaking of games, speaking of games, <laughs> and she's a season ticket holder. She is at every game. But, there, but it's different. It's almost because in a baseball game, like in a football game, we have a job. Oh, yes. When you're a crowd, you have a job. And I, and, and I remember your sister-in-law, my beloved wife, I remember being in a football game. And, and sometimes I watch the game because I played the game and I watch it. And she hit me one time. And she said, this is where we make our effing money. And started yelling. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. So, But it is different in a baseball game. It is. 
It is. It's different. But I, I love that you, you bring up UT because, you know, we have all been to many a UT games uh-huh. together. I know that we have surprise Nathan with tickets multiple years for his birthday yeah. and I mean you know, just like we, I know right <laughs> and just like I mentioned you know or, yeah you mentioned earlier you know we are celebrating Christmas today because yeah. that was our gift to you guys because we know that you guys love the you know love baseball you're you're traveling around and and not only interviewing, but, you know, getting to see all these minor league teams. And anyway, yeah. so, it, and of course, we always just love getting together with family. And this is a great way to spend time with family because you yeah. get to visit, you get to watch the game, you get to go out and have delicious food, which we've been really taking advantage so of, much. the delicious yeah. San Antonio cuisine. It's been really good. <laughs> you know, you brought up Corpus Christi. I think Waterburger Field might be my favorite park, uh, you know, of all the ones I've been to. And I do think... Part of it, though, is the bridge. Yes. So how's it going to be when the bridge is? Because the bridge uh, is going away. Well, the, the, the bridge as it stands now is going away, but they are building another bridge. So instead of looking out into center field and seeing the bridge, I believe you will look off to the left and you will see um, a large bridge going over. Oh, so, so we, still, I, we will get that view still. We will still get the view of the bridge, but it will not be, of course, the iconic Harbor Bridge that you know we've had yeah. since I was a child. Um, so, yes, at some point that will be gone and there will be new, you know, progress. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do want to say before we kind of sign off that one of my favorite baseball moments was sitting in your living room after Texas OU and we were all bummed about Texas having lost to the Sooners. Oh. And we flipped over to the Astros game just in time to see Altuve touch home plate for the Astros to beat the Yankees in the ALCS one to nothing. Oh my gosh, that was an amazing moment. That short little guy moved those little legs so yes, fast. Yes, he <laughs> did. Funny. <laughs> well, Shelly, thank you so much for being on Let's Get Two. Well, thank you, Jim. This was fantastic. Yay. To the first 10,000 fans, the Let's Get Two promotion of the week. So now minor league baseball is really underway. The teams who opened on the road are finally having their home openers, and we can really start to talk about some of the weekly promotions that if you're out and about, want to take advantage of. And some of these promotions are really cool because they're, they're weekly promotions. So, for example, this Thursday, like so many teams in minor league baseball, the Northwest Arkansas Naturals and the Modesto Nuts will be celebrating Thirsty Thursdays with discounts on beer. And the Nuts, this, first, this next Thursday, are going to be hosting free cap night. I think free cap night has to be like baseball's first promotion because who doesn't like to get a free baseball cap? One of the promotions that we're starting to see a lot more of, and I think it's another way to, to, to realize that you're not competing with other sports teams when you run a minor league baseball franchise, but you're trying to offer a really good economical family value. And so the Lynchburg Hillcats this Tuesday are going to be running a free promotion where all kids will eat free. And, you know, if you're a family of more than two people, meaning you have a child, Going to a to a baseball game can get super expensive, even if the tickets to get in aren't bad, but the food and the souvenirs and the beer and things like that really do drive that price up. And so it's really cool that teams like Lynchburg are, are offering this promotion to help ease that pain so that way parents can get out to the ball game. The Corpus Christi Hooks will be starting two new promotions that'll be a weekly promotion for them. Monday, there'll be their Dollar Dogs and Soda. If you've never been to a Dollar Dog thing, It's capitalism at its purest. You hand them a dollar, they hand you a hot dog. It's a beautiful thing. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of teams do this, but the Hooks will be doing it every Monday. So if you're in the Corpus Christi area, like so many of my friends are, 
Get yourself a ticket to what I think is one of the three or four best minor league ballparks in the country and get a dollar dog. On Tuesday, they also have another great promotion. It's for, it's their $40 promotion. So four drinks, four dogs, and four tickets, all for 40 bucks. And again, that's something they do for every Tuesday. So yeah, we're going to be, we're going to be doing this, talking about all kinds of promotions, both weekly ones, things that are special, and some special theme nights coming at you this season. Stuff about baseball my dad hates. And we're back with uh, my brother Tim, co-creator of the podcast, for Things My Dad Hates About Baseball. What do we got today, Tim? Well, today, Dad hates colored bats, uh, particularly pink bats. Um, and not the, what they mean, but just the fact that they're pink. Yeah, he's not for breast cancer. <laughs> but he just feels that the bat's made of wood, so it should look like wood. Wood, yeah. Um, Dad. The reason why they use the colored bats is because they are auctioned after the game to raise money for things like stopping breast cancer. And the reason they're colored is so somebody doesn't know the game and know why they're colored can say, hey, why is it back pink? And someone oh. say, oh, it's for breast cancer. Let me talk to you. And, and in, in around Father's Day, it's why they light blue. Well, because of prostate cancer. I assume dad's okay. Is he okay with a black bat? I assume so. I assume so. I don't think it has to be all wood grain like Wonder Bat or anything. But So maybe because black is like a, the color of a burned piece of wood? Yes. I think okay. that's okay. If you can make it with your, 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 your wood burning kit, I think it's, it's an appropriate color. Okay. Good. Good. We're excited to welcome a guest that really embodies the point of this podcast. Someone's really focused on the cultural and the fun side of minor league baseball. Ken Robertson and his son, Matt, have been traveling all over the country for the last few years, going to minor league parks, experiencing the culture, and just having a great time. You can follow their exploits on Twitter at at Baseball Traveler. I'll put the link to their profile in the description of this podcast. But Ken, thank you so much for joining the show. Thanks for having me. So it seems like you're not just living your best life, you're also living mine. How did this whole experiment of going to minor league baseball stadiums, get? how did it get started? I uh, started with uh, my son and I. We, we started a while back. We come up with an idea for about a TV show and uh, started trying to do a YouTube channel and, uh, you know, shot some footage and, and put a couple of them up on uh, YouTube that, uh, you know, had had a ba- basically a little bit about the uh, baseball team, a little bit about the city that we were going to because we're kind of like – we like to travel and every city sort of has – a different story or different things to do. There's always something else to do besides the baseball game. So what we do is half the day we'll do whatever there, whatever there is of interest around the town. And then we'll go to the baseball game at night and then, you know, travel from town to town. So there's always something to see out there. So how did you go from experimenting with a YouTube show to the Twitter account that you're using now? We, well, we transitioned uh, after we got, I think we had about six or seven, uh, different stadiums that we went. Uh, the last the one we did was uh, Reading, the Reading Phillies. And we, we set up and we, you know, we got a bunch of shots and everything there. Well, my wife had uh, been diagnosed with cancer. She was diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, she's fine now. She went through all the treatments and everything. But it sort of sidetracked the whole um, the YouTube channel and stuff. It sort of sidetracked that whole thing. And, you know, when we got back into going to games uh, the following year, we just started – you know, just going for just the pure enjoyment of it. It was sort of like, you know, we didn't need to do all that work. We could just go and have fun. And that's that's where we sort of got into the Twitter stuff and, you know, just tweeting out all our, all the places we've gone to and, 
Yeah, it's sort of a, it was sort of a fun thing to do. We've met a lot of people through there, uh, a lot of people different towns we've we've met. Um, yeah, it's just, it's sort of been a whole life of its own. Well, we are really really glad that your wife is doing better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she yeah she unfortunately doesn't want to go to as many games, but uh, usually it's just me and my son. It started off with my son and my daughter, and uh, my daughter sort of got other interests, and so it just became my son and I take making these trips, and we made a. Uh, big trip last year we went we did 11 games in 11 days we we went we hit basically the entire uh middle of the country we hit uh nashville was our first night um and he got the kid the kids like refer to him as forrest gump because he sort of lucks into like all these things we walked into nashville and uh this girl come up to him and asked him if he wanted to do the announcing for the uh players they were coming up to bat in the third inning so that was like the first night of our trip so he wound up uh you know, getting to do the announcing for the for the top or the bottom of the inning, the bottom of the third inning for Nashville, the Nashville Sounds. Forget it. This kid's living my best life. This, this kid has got. He's been stumbled in everything. I think overall, he wound up doing four things uh, at different games. Um, the second night we went to Arkansas, so we went to Little Rock. Third night we went to Frisco, and that was Frisco. Um, they won the award last year for promotion of the year. They had Dude Perfect night. And we just happened to buy the tickets, and that was the night. Like I bought them the day the tickets went on sale, and then saw that it had the promotion for that. And I'm, you know, I never really saw the show or anything, but I knew who they were. And uh, you know, they had a packed house. It was the largest crowd they've ever had down in Frisco. And we, since we were got our seats the day of the game, or the when they went on sale, we were in the front row. So they shot burgers up into the crowd, and they, you know, they were doing their whole thing. And before they went out on the field, the camera crew was sitting around us and stuff. And so I kind of helped them out and opened the gate for them to get out and stuff. So they shot these burgers up and they had parachutes and they were coming down into the crowd and, you know, people were grabbing them. This guy comes up and he, he like taps him out on the shoulder and hands him a hamburger and they had two cameras pointed in his face. So apparently he's going to be on the dude perfect show at some point. I had to fill out a bunch of paperwork and stuff. So that that was the third night of the trip. <laughs> um, we went, went across the Southern part. We hit Mississippi. We hit, uh, Chattanooga, um, Birmingham, and when we got to uh, Asheville, he got to do another promotion. He did the uh, bouncy horse race, basically face planted and sort of you know made for a funny video. <laughs> and you're talking about Frisco, Texas? Yes, yes. I love that park, Dr. Pepper Field, so much. Uh, it's the hottest game I've ever been to, but I love that park. What, what day did you go? Because it was 118 the day we were there. <laughs> yeah, I was there about 112. Nothing to laugh at. 112. Happened to stay twice. We went to we went to the Friday night to do perfect night, and we just had seats. And then we went back the following uh, that was on a Saturday or a Friday. We went back Sunday, and went uh, did the experience the Lazy River, which is the whole reason we went down there. So that 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 park was awesome. So let's kind of go back to the beginning. Then, how did you get into baseball in the first place? Uh, as a kid, I came up playing little league, uh, played little league, and. Um, I think I, I aged out then I wound up, you know, I was 16. So you had to go to, you had to play, we played in high school, but when high school season was over, my sister was playing and I started coaching because I had to go to the games to watch her play. I figured I might as well do something, get involved. So I coached, I coached little league for, oh, about five years, all the way through college and stuff. And, you know, I, that's sort of what I wanted to get into. I went to school to be a broadcaster. You know, then I found out that really doesn't pay a whole lot of money. So <laughs> I got out of that relatively quickly after college and uh, stumbled in the career I got now. So it, it worked out for the best, I suppose. And what is it about baseball that you love so much? Uh, right right now, I think it's it's spending time outdoor, outdoors in the summertime with my kid. I think that's sort of what it is now. Back then, uh, I just had a passion for it. It was like it was always the thing that I really – 
that really kind of drove me that I that I liked. I wanted to do that. I wanted to be involved. Ideally, I think my you know you talked about your dream your dream life and stuff. My dream life was getting paid to go to baseball games. So I mean I don't I couldn't think of anything better than that getting paid to go and you know apparently I like to talk a lot so I, I, you know that kind of goes hand in hand. Um, but I'm finding out, you know, as life goes, you know, get older in life, you start realizing you have more stories. When you start off young, you don't have as many stories to fall back on. So you kind of only can, like, talk about what's going on. But, you know, you get some age on you and you start going, oh, okay, you know, I remember this, this, and this. You can, you have, you have experience to fall back on. And finally realizing what that experience is, you know. You know, I think the part about your story is the fact that you're traveling with Matt. I just recently became a grandfather, and I'm really looking forward to that part of my relationship with my grandson, Braxton. But what, what is it about sharing the game with your son that makes it so special? Uh, it's really it, – it's, it's sort of watching, watching his, his experience of it grow. Like I think he started off going because it was like he got to spend time with dad, and it gave – you know, it was something to do. And I think he – ultimately went to eat. I think that's, I think that's what started the whole thing. Is that he, he liked the goat, he liked the food and he could eat. And, you know, that, that was the main thing. And then, you know, it all sort of clicked, uh, be 2016 when we went to the, uh, playoff games, the, the Altoona curve was in the Eastern league playoffs. And we went to the playoff game that they, that they won and they beat Bowie and they moved on to the next round. And then they, they played, uh, Trenton and they won the championship. They only had two home games because of the way their playoff system set up, but their their the second home game we went to, they won the championship. They swept their way through the playoffs. And it was like I think watching him watching them celebrate on the field and seeing, you know, how much passion they had for it and what they were playing for, it kind of clicked. So then he talked about that like all all winter. And then when we got to uh, the following spring when we went to their home opener and, and stuff to watch him, you know, put the banner up and, you know, it was, it was, you know, he kind of, he kind of really understood what it was playing for. So now he's like more passionate about, you know, he, he knows that what they're playing for. And, and I still think he likes to eat. I still think he goes to the games for that, but I think, you know, it, it something clicked in him. Like he was more interested in the action that was going on on the field. Look, a cursory glance at my Facebook profile photos tell you that I also love to eat. You, you could look at me and tell I like to eat too. So I, I, there's nothing wrong with that. And you know, each ballpark. That was another one of the things with our with that. You know, the idea of the TV show and stuff. Every ballpark has has its own characters. The people that are there, they all have, you know, different food. Every every sort of team has their, especially minor league baseball has their like their niche. Like this is their thing that they're known for and stuff. You know, Frisco has the ballpark. They've got the uh, the Lazy River and stuff up there and. Uh, you know, Akron has has a lot of different food options and stuff, and it's just you know, and everyone is a different experience when you go to some. Some are good, some are not so good, but uh, for the most part, you know, everybody it, it, they all have their own characteristics, and I think that's what I find interesting. So, what is it about minor league baseball that you find so special that you think it's worth driving all over the country for? Well, I, th- I think it started out. Well, it's now, I guess, it, it's become a quest because I'm sort of I've sort of talked to Matt about it, and I said, you know. You know, what if we what if we tried to make it to every minor league baseball game before you graduate? So that's sort of like I guess our ultimate goal that we're looking at. But um, we just started going to different ones, and we're like, oh, okay, well let's go see what this place has to offer. We started off doing you know the ones closest to us and stuff, and then it got to be like, well let's let's take a trip. Um, last year, last year for example, in May, um, we went up to Hartford because we wanted to go to Yard Goods game, which is another awesome ballpark. That's like you know. Hartford and Frisco are like one, two on our list of, of favorite parks. But um, you go to a game in Hartford, and they had they had a team that played all their games on the road the year they were building their stadium. 
So, you know, they they opened up this – it was one of the newer stadiums to go to and stuff. So we went there, and then we went to Pawtucket. So it was like a Friday and a Saturday. Well, actually, it was a Thursday. We went to Altoona, and we left from there. So we went Altoona, Hartford, and then Pawtucket. But, you know, when you're up in that area, we went we went over to Plymouth Rock. We went up to uh, – went up the end of Cape Cod. We didn't make it into Boston, which is, I guess, where we're going this, this summer for our vacation, our family vacation. But it was like – you know, there was a lot of stuff up there to see and, you know, had a little bit of special special uh, memories to us because we did some ancestry stuff and dug out and found out we were related to one of the people that came over on the Mayflower. So it was like, you know, that kind of made it kind of cool to go to Plymouth Rock then. So I got to do a lot of, a lot of different uh, traveling around and seeing things. Yeah, I definitely love the idea of the quest. You know, for me, I really got into it because when I would go to film festivals, I would often want to break and would find a park nearby. And that's kind of snowballed to anywhere I'm near a park. I will absolutely go to check out a game. And so this year I'll be at the Gwinnett Stripers. I'll be in Fayetteville, in Durham, Fort Myers Miracle, Columbus Clippers, a whole bunch. And I'm really looking forward to it. But for you, what does your 2019 look like as far as travel? Um, we got a we got a one trip plan a month almost. Let's see. So we're, we're like... We're starting off uh, opening weekend. We, we've got we've already got our tickets. We've got tickets well in hand for twenty or thirty different parks so far. I think it's I think it's twenty one different ballparks we're going to make it to this year. Um, we're starting off in Akron opening night. Akron. We're going to my buddy's house. He, there's another guy that goes with us on some of our trips. Um, he lives in Harrisburg, so we're going to go to a Harrisburg Senators game. Then we're going to Wilmington, Delaware. So that'll get that'll get Delaware crossed off our list. There's another state we've gone to. That's a new ballpark for us. Um, and then we were going to go to Lehigh Valley, but I think we're going to wind up in uh, Harrisburg for the Sunday game. And then we've got a uh, – my birthday is the 17th of April, so we're, we're trying to um, – I'm waiting for tickets to go on sale for the Dayton Dragons. So we're going to do a Dayton Dragons. Uh, then we're going to hit a Detroit Tigers game in the afternoon and then a Lansing Lugnuts game at night. And then uh, we go up to Great Lakes, the Great Lakes Loons, down to the Fort uh, Fort Wayne Tin Caps and then to Indianapolis. So that's our that's our April trip. That's over Easter. So like I'm only using one vacation day and he misses no school. So I, it works out perfectly. <laughs> uh, May we looks like Syracuse and Rochester uh, for Memorial Day weekend. Uh, June our family vacation. We've sort of planned a trip. And I said if I'm going all the way up to Maine, I'm going to have to catch a Portland Sea Dogs game. So we're going to Portland. We're going to Hartford again because. Uh, as I said before, Hartford, just an amazing place. I've, I've never been to a, a ball game in May that had a playoff-like atmosphere. Like last year was just it was just amazing, the, the, the buzz in the ballpark there. Um, July, we're going to the Eastern League All-Star Game in Redding, or in uh, Richmond, Virginia. So we've, we're going to be there for the home run hitting co- contest in the All-Star Game. And then we're uh, I looked at the map, and I'm, I talked to my buddy, and I told him, I'll take the rest of the week off because uh, – you know, I'll have you home by Sunday. And I looked at the map and I'm like, well, I'd like to go to a Jacksonville jumbo shrimp game. So ultimately, if I'm going to Jacksonville, I looked. Pensacola is another ballpark that I really wanted to go to. <laughs> so that's only a five-hour trip. I mean, you're, you're talking an afternoon. So, you know, we drive over to Pensacola. Then we're going back up to uh, Knoxville to uh, the Tennessee Smokies. And, I, and I'll, get his, I'll get his butt home on Sunday for him. So. Well, I'm going to just go for a little ride. It's more like Smokey and the Bandit, but it's a little bit of a ride. I need to see about doing an on-location interview with you guys because this sounds incredible. And then uh, it gets us to, that's July. August looks like the Labor Day weekend. We're going to try and go out. I, I used to live in Wisconsin, and I have a friend that lives out there, so we might be able to 
you know, hang out with him for a night. We're going to get the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, uh, Beloit Snappers, and Kane County Cougars, and then hit uh, the Toledo Mud Hens on the way back because that's another ballpark we really liked. So that looks that looks what our 2019 looks like so far. And then uh, there'll be assorted trips in here here and there to uh, Altoona or well, we don't have Erie on the list yet, but Erie and some of the ones that we always hit every year. I absolutely love that. Oh, I'm more than more than happy to give you updates on these. I can give you I can give you ballpark reviews from some of these places. I, I said like there's there's just some of the stuff we saw last year, like the, in Asheville where they filmed Bull Durham. You know, they, uh, we happened to walk into the that was when we walked in. Two girls. I told Matt early on in this when we went to uh, Nashville. I said, anytime a good looking girl comes up to you in a baseball shirt and says, "Do you wanna?" Your next answer should be yes. So. Uh, in Asheville, these girls walk up to him and they said, "Do you want to?" And he looked at me. He's like, "Yes." And he like they didn't even tell him what they wanted to do, but that was the uh, bouncy horse race. So he did that. Went into their gift shop and they had the throwback jerseys of uh, from Bull Durham, the Travelers jerseys. Um, so I, I grabbed one of those. I had to get a I had to get a uh, Crash Crash Davis jersey. It's really cool. So. Oh, this is there's another good story from our trip to Frisco. When we were in Frisco, I, I bought a Frisco Rough Rider jersey. Now there are only two jerseys that I bought all year, so it makes it sound like I buy jerseys every place we go to. That's not the case. I bought a Frisco Rough Riders jersey. So in August we went to the New York Penn League All Star Game up in State College, and I'm sitting there and I'm just you know I, I, one of these guys, I wanted somebody to follow me on Twitter. I actually came up and and talked to me and you know had a good conversation with him and stuff and. We're sitting there about the sixth or seventh inning. It was raining a little bit, so we went back and sat underneath the crowd. And this guy walks by and he says, "Oh, where did you get the uh, Frisco Rough Riders jersey?" And I said, "Oh, well, you know, I bought it when we went down to the Frisco uh, game in Frisco and stuff." And he says, "Oh yeah," and he's like, "Oh, did you like the ballpark?" And we started talking a little bit about what we liked about it and stuff. And he says, "Oh, you know," he's like, "Well, I own the team." It turns out it was Chuck Greenberg. He owned the used to own the Texas Rangers. He owns he owns the uh, Frisco Rough Riders. He owns the State College Spikes, and he owns the um, Myrtle Beach Pelicans. And there was a truck there for Myrtle Beach. There was a truck there for like advertising vacations and stuff. And he says, this is kind of like a, this is my life. He's like, you've got the Rough Riders jersey. We're in State College. There's the, there's the uh, one from Myrtle Beach truck over there. He said, this is, this is really cool. So he stood there and talked to us for about 15 minutes. It was really, was really cool. It was really cool to meet somebody like that, just like out of the blue, you know. Okay, so let's talk about it. How many ballparks have you been to? Uh, well, we've been to games in 43. We've last year on our trip, we stopped a lot, like the Bowling Green Hot Rods. We stopped at a couple of ballparks that were along that, that the teams weren't home, but we wanted to see the ballpark. We'll have to eventually go back to them. So I've, so I think there's 68 total that we've actually visited, but there's 43 that we saw games in. And then we, you know, along on our trip, we were, we were hitting historical sites and, and NCAA football stadiums and just all kind of stuff. So it's like I had not, I had a page for every day of, of stuff that we saw that, you know, I, I, you can't, you can't really ask me and say, Matt, Oh, you know, when you went back to school, they were like, how was your summer vacation? What did you do? And he's like, well, I, I went and saw Hamilton. I'm like, yeah, that was like the week before you went back to school. I'm like, you can't even start on the trip we went on. <laughs> There's just so much stuff that he did last year. So, you know, I love the fact that y'all are doing this and it seems like, you're aware that it's something you're going to remember for the rest of your life. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that, that, the trip last year is going to be hard to top. That's why I kind of like didn't even really try. Like I was like, I'm going to break it up this year because it was like it was really intense. It was like every day you're driving, you know, 
500 miles, but you're seeing everything along the way. You know, we, we saw where, you know, we went to the, uh, we went through Memphis. So we, we saw the, you know, the National Civil Rights Museum, saw where the Redbirds played, um, went to Beale Street, you know, and then wound up in Little Rock, you know. Then Texas, I think the one, the one day we woke up, we went to Texas Motor Speedway. We went to, we toured the Cowboys Stadium, AT&T Stadium, and then we went to a Ranger game. So it's like, you know, that was one day. I mean, but it was 118 degrees that day. It was really hot. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we just we just filled the day up. Like, we have a strike from when we get up in the morning until we went to bed at night. It was, like, complete stuff we wanted to do. And you, you can't do that necessarily when you're taking your family along because the wife's not going to want to do all the stuff that I wanted to do. And you might have the trouble selling the daughters on it. But, you know, Matt was more like a hostage than a son in that point. <laughs> So, you know, of the 43 some odd parks that you've seen, what have been some of your favorites? Yeah, I kind of got them broke down. I got the tr- I got I have a list cuz I, I figured we'd get into this. Uh the tri- the AAA ones that we kind of liked, uh Lehigh Valley, uh the Iron Pigs, you you really can't go wrong there, especially if you like to eat food-wise, the tops, like the best the best food. They have they have a, a corn stand that, that sells uh corn on the cob. Uh it's called Osh Shucks, and they have the shaker stuff that they put on it. Tops. It's the be- it's some of the best stuff in the minors. Uh, Toledo was pretty nice. I like Toledo a lot. Uh, the way their ballpark sits out, it's kind of like it looks like warehouses from the outside, and, and just some of the seating areas in there are really really unique. Uh, Nashville was pretty nice for for a AAA ballpark. Uh, we liked that one a great deal. Uh, yeah, Hartford, Frisco, and Hartford near the, are like the tops. Um, another another AA one was uh, Reading. If you go to Reading. You you couldn't go to a ballpark where they stuffed more crap into a into an old stadium. There's so much stuff. You walk under the, like they have an old bleacher section, and as you walk underneath there, it's like every square inch underneath there between the food stands is covered with you know pictures or statistics or just the history of the team. They, they're one of the few minor league teams that have been with their parent club for over 50 years, so they have this you know this huge history with the Phillies. And they've just like every play have they have a buffet down both lines. They have a swimming pool out in right field that's like right up against the uh the outfield fence. It's it's just it's an amazing park. They've done a lot of stuff. I really thought they couldn't they couldn't find anything else to pack in there and that they actually added these dugout suites. Uh the tri- some of the single A ones, uh the West Virginia Power have a really nice stadium in downtown Charleston. I really like that one. Um Asheville and Hagerstown, you really can't go wrong from the history. They're two of the three oldest ballparks. Um, and Bowman Field in uh, in Williamsport is also. Those are like the three oldest ballparks. They're all single-A ones. But it's just you go there for the history, you know. Um, Babe Ruth played at the one up in uh, Williamsport. And so there will be some new ones added this year. We have the Sod Poodles in Amarillo and the Woodpeckers in Fayetteville. The Woodpeckers have a really cool logo. I love their logo. They just come up with their batting practice helmet or batting – practice hat yesterday and i'm like boy i might have to pick up one of those i'm not a big fan yeah, of red hats but that is yeah. that's a really sharp the sod poodles i like the name uh the trash pandas from alabama they'll, they'll come in next year that was my favorite name out of all the ones that they announced that was that was the one i'm like yeah i like i like that one the best and then they come up with that logo of the raccoon riding riding a uh rocket trash can i thought that was awesome I do think that's a great direction that minor league baseball is going with their branding of making it fun, keeping it interesting. I think it allows more accessibility. I don't know that I would be rooting for the Amarillo Padres, but I will root for the Amarillo Sod Poodles. Yeah, and it gives them a little bit of character. It gives them an identity. It makes it for a decent mascot. Like, who wants to, you know, I would much rather see some sort of, I don't know what they, um, 
I just blanked on what they are. They're the sod poodles are uh, prairie, dog. prairie dogs. Yeah, so like a little prairie dog is going to be better than you know having a priest wandering through the crowd. So right. I, I can I can appreciate that. Um, you talk about the characters, uh, and I don't know if you saw the uh, Tops come out with a uh, – they have a baseball card subset that has some of the characters in the game, and there's a lot of different people that pop up. But uh, one of the guys I remember the first – this is where I think the minor league baseball thing of every place having their own characters struck me. Uh, there's a guy in uh, West Virginia, and I, I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he's a toast man. Dude comes to the game with a bag of bread – and a toaster that they have a plug. They have a plug somewhere by his seat, and he plugs it in. And when, whenever they strike somebody out, he throws toast, and he yells, "Your toast!" And he throws toast all over the all over the stands. It is hilarious. It, it was like one of the that, that was one early early on minor league games where I took I took my kids to, and they were looking around. They're like, "What is wrong with this guy?" I'm like, "I don't know." Like, how do you go to a game with a loaf of bread and a toaster? I'm like, so I'd like to talk to him and find find out some information. I have a lot of questions for that. But uh, you know that just that just gives you the character game. And actually, the game that we went to was um, was pitched by uh, Tyler Glassnow, who was uh, the pirate. That was Single A. He he was with the Pirates, and they traded him to Tampa Bay last year. And I think he had like ten or twelve strikeouts in five innings. And this guy was just tossing toast all over the place. It was silly. Last year, Jessica and I were at a San Antonio Missions game, and it felt like we were watching ourselves in like twenty years because it was just this couple. And they were enjoying being at the ballpark. They had bells and things like rigged up on in front of their seats for whenever a base hit happened or a home run happened or a certain player did something well. And they just had this like routine down. And I thought it was adorable to watch how involved they were. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and I, I saw there was a couple. There's there's people that have like a Jose Florio had a had a uh, rooting section for one of the. One of the games, there's different things I've, I've read, like just different people. They, they take to certain players. And, and that's one of the great things about minor league baseball. You get to like you're up close and you're you can deal with the players. They're people. You know what I mean? It's like you're, you're getting to you're getting to know them a little bit better. And not everybody's going to make it to the majors. And I think everybody sort of knows that. But in the back of your head, you're thinking they have a chance. You know what I mean? So everybody has a chance to get there. I've been saying it throughout the life of this podcast. I think fans think that because baseball's minor league, that somehow the baseball's not good. And not only is the baseball just as good, but you also get this accessibility factor that you don't get always when you go to a major league park. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there was a there was a part during uh, one of the games. This was like where you know you're up close and you can like deal with the players and stuff. We were at the game in Arkansas last year, and it was a, it was a 98 degree day and stuff. And a lot of people left. They didn't have a big crowd. It was a it was like a two. Or, Thursday night. So there was like not a lot of people there. Sparse crowd. It's late in the game. They were winning big or whatever. And we were sitting right behind home plate. So they're like our sections, you know, there's a few people around, but there was nobody around us. And they hit a, uh, the guy hit a, a foul ball, a pop up, like back towards the screen. And the catcher comes back and the catcher like makes this catch like right in front of us. And Matt, you know, wide eyed, he's like, nice catch. And the catcher, the catcher like bends over, picks his helmet up. He looks right at him and goes, thanks. All I could picture was the Bull Durham thing where he, where the kid tells him to get it, get a hit, and he tells him to shut up. So you know that's one of those things that you know you're up close. Your, your kids have memories. Uh, you know nothing like watching a little kid get a ball tossed to him by one of the players. You know, and they get you know big wide eyes. You know the the kids don't realize you know who don't don't know who the players are and stuff. It's not like a major league game, but it means just as much to them. And you might actually say it means more if you're talking about making a lifelong baseball fan. Right. Right. Well, Ken, this has been so cool. Um, maybe we'll link up on the trail and we can uh, you know, sit down and have a hot dog and a beer. 
Absolutely, no, no problem. I, I, you're, you're coming out this way, so there, there's a chance. You know, I haven't been, I haven't been to Columbus yet. On deck, the Let's Get To Interview of the Week, brought to you by Fine Line Sportswear. We're proud to welcome Adam English to the show. Adam is entering his first season as the Vice President and General Manager for the Gwinnett Stripers, the AAA affiliate of the Atlanta Braves. He was named to the position in November of 2018, following six seasons leading the ticket sales department at the Sacramento Rivercats, the AAA San Francisco Giants affiliate. Adam and his wife Kirsten have one son, Truett, a Boston Terrier named Charlie, and a French Bulldog named Booker. He loves rooting on his Kentucky Wildcats, traveling, and Kentucky bourbon. We're on Let's Get To with Adam English. Uh, Adam, thanks so much for joining the show. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me, James. You know, I always like to start with how do you, how did you find yourself as a member of the front office of minor league baseball? Like, where did your love from the game come from, and how did you end up getting where you are now? I have I played baseball my entire life. Um, you know, from as soon as I was able to, all the way up through uh, high school and through college. Uh, I played Division three baseball at Transylvania University in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, and at the end of my junior year, I had to were you all the vampires? We we were not the vampires. We're the pioneers. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair First enough. College west of the Allegheny Mountains. <laughs> I love um, it. And so um, uh, I had Tommy John surgery at the end of my junior year, uh, and, and so you know I was faced with the, the decision that all athletes are faced with at different times in, in their in their careers, where hey, you know, do I rehab this and come back for a fifth year playing Division three baseball, or do I figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life? Um, and, and so at that point, uh, I did an internship. Uh, with the, I was able, I was lucky enough to get an internship with the Lexington Legends, uh, who at the time were the single affiliate of your Houston Astros. All right. And so um, they, uh, I, I got a little picture uh, into the business side of sports. And, and I mean, I did everything during that internship. I was the mascot. I pulled the tarp. I ran the parking lot on game days. I made cold calls. I went on sales appointments. And so I, I left that internship knowing wow, I think I have a real passion for being around the game and for, um, and for, and for the business side of sports, more importantly. Um, and so I'd made a good enough impression on the GM at the time. His name's Kevin Culp. He's now the president of the Harrisburg senators. Um, and he wrote me a letter of recommendation. Uh, and so that, you know, this was back before you apply for everything on teamwork online or something like that. And, uh, so I stapled that letter of recommendation at the top of my resume and I sent it out to every team in the Southeast. And I was lucky enough, um, to get a, a variety of offers to join, to join teams. But I ended up with Ripken baseball, uh, and, uh, with the Augusta green jacket. So I actually started my career, uh, my first full-time job in Augusta, Georgia. And now um, you're, yeah. And, and yeah. And then, you know, I was with Ripken for five years. I was actually back in Lexington, um, for four years. And then with the Sacramento river cats, triple a affiliate of the giants for six years before coming here. And so one of the big, obviously differences when we're talking to minor league front offices is you guys are actually owned by the Braves, correct? Absolutely. We are. That is, and this is the first organization, this is the first minor league team that I've worked for that is owned by the major league affiliate. And I, I noticed that in 2018, you guys went from being the Gwinnett Braves to being the Stripers. Like, what was the lo- lo- the, the reasoning behind the, the name change? So I wasn't a part of the organization when they went through the name change, but the the reasoning behind it for me is is our proximity to SunTrust Park. We're 35 miles away. Um, you know, we are the AAA affiliate of the Braves, but we are in the heart of Braves country. We're literally in greater Atlanta. Um, and so the, the, the thought process behind it was, Hey, we love our affiliation with the Braves, but we need our own identity right. in this market. Because when you're, when you're marketing the Gwinnett Braves versus the Atlanta Braves, sometimes people just see Braves. 
Yeah. Well, you know, so, it, yeah, that was part of the name change. And, and the, the reason it landed on stripers is because we we are, uh, you know, we're right next to Lake Lanier, one of the best bass fishing lakes in the south and maybe in the country. And uh, and it's just such a big part of uh, fishing is such a big part of, of culture down here. And, uh, you know, it's funny because, again, it's a it's a it's a it's also a move that a lot of minor league teams are doing where they're going away from the. The, just sort of using the parent club name to finding something a little bit more independent, like local to what the community is. And I think it's smart. I, I think it's smart because as a as an Astros fan, I can diverse sort of divorce myself long enough to root for the Stripers because I'm not really that. But if it's the if it's the Gwinnett Braves, it's a little harder to kind of deal with that. Absolutely. And and one thing that you mentioned in there that is that is the lifeblood of what we do is community. Um, it's a connection to this community, and we are this community's team. Gwinnett County is, is you know, the second largest county um, from a population standpoint in the state of Georgia, and, and I think we'll be the largest for almost a million people here. Uh, and so our focus is community. We want to get involved in each of the, in the different uh, cities that make up Gwinnett County and the surrounding areas, um, and, and we really want to be that community's team and, and a, a community gathering place for, for fans of all ages. So what do you think is the best way for y'all to do that? How are y'all able to, to find to connect with the community as well as you have been? The face of every minor league franchise is, is their mascot. Um, you know, while, while on the big league level, you have, you know, Ronald Acuna Jr. or, you know, Alex Bregman or, or uh, Carlos Correa down there for the Astros. Um, the minor league level, the face is really our mascot. So our mascot is everywhere in the community. We have a street team and, and a, a, somebody dedicated to getting us involved in the community. We have one of the largest and best school systems um, in the country in Gwinnett County. And so we, we do free assemblies in schools and, and we, you know, where we, where we preach academics, attendance and attitude and anti-bullying messages and, um, you know, showing up is half the battle, but attend, be at school. Um, you know, what's your attitude? You can control that. Um, and then how important it is to get an education. So those are just a few of the ways we, we we get involved with many nonprofits. We do a lot of community giving uh, and we try to be the best partners that we can, um, in every way. So again, like like I said, the difference between a lot of teams that are affiliated, some are owned by a team, some are um, you know yearly contracts or whatever. How much involvement does the Atlanta Club have with the day to day operations of the the Stripers? Um, I guess especially as it pertains to the talent on the field. Um, they have all of the say as far as the talent on the field. Um, all of their personnel decisions are made from Atlanta with Alex Anthopoulos, the GM of the Braves, and his entire baseball ops team. Uh, so who's on the field is controlled by them. The business side uh, is separate from that. Um, you know, we certainly have oversight. They're our ownership group. They like to see how we're doing. Um, but that, that's where I step in, and I run the, the you know this organization as an as a independent entity almost um, with – uh, with, you know, certainly I think the best thing about having the, the Braves as our affiliate is we have, well, I have access to a lot of resources that other minor league baseball teams don't have. Um, and, and that's because they are so close to us and because the Braves are such a tremendous organization. Um, but, but certainly we don't have people from Atlanta down here, you know, running the day to day or anything like that from a business standpoint, but they do control everything on the field. Now, one of the things that I do want to ask about, and this is always touchy for a minor league GM to answer because you're the AAA affiliate, and, and you're right. You can't – you don't get to – the fact that Brian McCann is back has yeah. nothing to do with you. I mean, super cool because obviously Brian was very popular when he was here in Houston. But 
you guys are able to take advantage of rehab starts. Like somebody, somebody comes down there for a week to get some ABs and obviously you're able to promote that. How do you walk that line? How delicate is that for you? Um, it, it, you know, it's unique. I mean, we, honestly, we defer to our baseball ops people. You know, we get we get messages, hey, this player's planning on coming down, but everything depends on his schedule. So a lot of times, it, it, you know, it's fast and furious. It's two days before they're going to do it, and we start blasting it out to the community. Um, you know, sometimes it's, you know, six hours before the game. And so while, while we love those rehabs, we love having those players here, and it's such a treat for our fans to see. Um, the big league talent. Um, we don't wish, you know, we don't want to see any of them because we exactly, yeah. they're healthy and they're winning ball games. But if somebody needs to tune up, you know, over 162 games in the major league level, guys get dinged up. Things happen. Yeah. And so we welcome them here and it's such a treat for our fans because it's such an intimate atmosphere to see those players. Um, but honestly, we just, we defer to, uh, um, we, we just defer to, to the, 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 the baseball ops team, um, and, and as soon as they give us the green light, we, we get it out in the community. So one of the things that, that minor league baseball, I think, does better than really any sports organization out there are the promotions, the fun um, – you know, the fun jerseys, the Bree brands, the bobbleheads. What are some of the stuff that y'all have done in the past or that you've experienced in your, I mean, your vast career in the past that you've really liked? And what are some of the things, what are some of the things we can look forward to this year? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I think, I think one of my favorite, like very minor league baseball, um, uh, promotions that we did was, was back in the day in Augusta, Georgia. Um, it was, it was at during the time when Brett Favre was retiring and then coming back and retiring <laughs> oh, and then no. coming back. And we did a, uh, you know, we did a yellow and yellow and green were two of our colors in Augusta. And so we did a green and yellow flip flop giveaway <laughs> night in honor of Brett Favre. Um, that, that was probably one of those. And again, that was probably like 15 years ago. That, um, might, that was, might be the best thing mentioned on this podcast so far. <laughs> I love everything uh, so, about that. You know, so that, that, that kind of stuff gets us, you know, national attention and, 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 uh, uh, and, and the fans get a kick out of it. Um, I, I mean, as far as our, our promotions for this year, um, you know, I, I mean, th- we, we do a, a ton that's family centric, you know, ballpark, you know, I tell fans all the time, we can, we can't control the play on the field. We can't control the sun in the sky, but everything else we, we have our hands in. Um, and so, you know, we, this, we want this to be, we, at, at our very core, we are family friendly, fun entertainment. And so we, we want, the, the games to be fun. We want there to be energy here. We want there to be things that people want to come see. So, um, you know, I mean, we do everything from princess and pirate nights to, to Margaritaville to, um, to our first responders and honoring our military. Um, and, 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 you know, those are things that lots of teams do, but it's how you do them and how you honor them. I think that adds to the fan experience. And so, you know, being able to have, um, you know, a Gwinnett County canine unit, um, out here as, uh, to display how they're keeping the community safe and honoring those people that let kind of lay it on the line every day to keep our community safe is something I'm very proud of. Um, and, and then from the family side, princess and pirates. And we, yeah. have, of course, star Wars is a, is, is kind of a, a thing of its own where we celebrate star Wars night. Um, but, uh, you know, Peppa Pig is huge with kids. We're actually bringing Peppa Pig out to the ballpark this year. We spoke to the GM of the Round Rock Express earlier in the season, and he talked about how cool it was to be the AAA affiliate of the Astros because the team is good and therefore the farm system is good. And obviously it's got to feel the same way knowing that the Braves are a really good young team on the rise. Yeah, no, you got, I mean, it, it's an exciting time to be a brave Sam, but I mean, you know, looking around at the talent of the major leagues, I mean, Houston's a fun team to watch. And, 
Um, and they, I mean, they just have boatloads of talent. And it comes from, you know, the years of developing the farm system, which is what we're a part of here. You know, we do everything we can to make sure that guys, uh, you know, have a great experience here in Gwinnett and, and can develop because ultimately all of their goals, uh, you know, top to bottom in the organization is is get to Atlanta and, and help the Braves win ball games. Right. So, um, but, you know, being able to see guys come through here and then see the, see it click for them and see them really contribute on the major league level and become stars in their own right um, is awesome. And, and so many of our fans keep relationships with those guys as they come through here because of the intimate atmosphere, and it's exciting to see. Well, and it, it actually segues into something that I want – I think part of the point of this, of this podcast is I think that people think – that when you're watching minor league baseball, you're somehow watching bad baseball. But I, I would argue the difference, well, there's that line in Bull Durham, right? The difference between a major league player and a triple A or double A player is like three ground ball, you know, three ground balls that go through in, in a month and a half. Like, absolutely. The, the competition level's great and they're missing out if they're not going. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think, I think you're right in, in saying that, you know, the, the margin of error between a 300 hitter on the major league level and, and somebody who hits 200 on the major league level is like a base hit a week or right. something like yeah. that. Um, a ground ball with eyes as, as, uh, as Bull Durham put it, as you mentioned. So, um, I mean, to see those guys here and, and, and embracing the grind and, um, and, and then to see them start having the success that they've worked their whole lives for, uh, is great. And, and one of the things that I, I want to do this year is is shoot some video and share with our fans that that experience of those guys getting the message from the manager that they got called up so i'm hopeful that that can happen oh that's great um you know it's fun because we were talking to the round rock express uh gm and in when he was there they got to announce for forrest whitley was playing there in a championship game and got to announce on the loudspeaker while he was pitching that he'd just been drafted so i love little things like that i think it, it's really what makes baseball i think a more accessible game well, it's the human element behind it. Um, you know, it, it sports is truly a, a, the the best form of reality television. Um, you know, it's unscripted. Anything can happen, and that's the excitement that draws people to sports. and And that's part of the reason that they're. Uh, that they're so invested in their teams. Um, and so to be able to share that human element behind, um, you know, these great athletes is really, really a treat. Well, and speaking of, you know, accessibility to fans. So you guys are participating in the Copa de la Diversion, which first of all, I'm getting so much better at saying that I'm so proud of myself. Um, Absolutely. So it took, talk me, to me, it took me a while to get it right as well. It, it is tricky. Um, and you know, it's, it's exploded this year. Last year, I think they had 32 teams and now they've gone to something like 70. Um, talk a little bit about y'all's identity and how that came about, came about. Absolutely. So, uh, for four games this year, we're going to transform into the Zolos de Gwinnett, um, which, and, and when we looked at, um, at, at what our identity was going to be, and, and first of all, I mean, we want to make Cool Ray Field and, and ensure that it continues to be, you know, a welcoming, uh, you know, community environment for people of all backgrounds. Um, and, and there is a significant, uh, Hispanic population in Gwinnett County, more, almost close to, I think it's just north of 200,000. Um, and so when looking at it and really analyzing those demographics, we realized that the overwhelming majority of that, of that community hails from Mexican descent. So in looking at, uh, what our identity is going to be, we wanted something that, that really ties to Mexico. And that's how we landed, um, on, on the Zolo, uh, or I'm sorry, the Cholos. Uh, and 
Um, so the Cholo Seguinet, it's a Mexican hairless dog. They date back to the Aztec empire. They're known for athleticism, loyalty, um, and intelligence, which obviously tie in. You need all three of those things to have a successful baseball team. Right. Um, and, and so, um, you know, those four games are truly going to be a, a celebration of Hispanic culture. Um, you know, gone are the days where minor league baseball teams, uh, do a, a Hispanic heritage night and have a, a deal on Mexican beer and, and sell tacos <laughs> right. and burritos. Like we this is going to be a celebration of that, of, of their heritage and, and being able to see the team transform and celebrate that with them only adds to it. And it's been, a, it's been a really exciting since we announced that uh, we've gotten a great response from our fans. Yeah, it's definitely was one of my favorite logos when they, uh, when they dropped it, I watched the, the announcement live and uh, yeah, I love the design. And so who did you guys use for the design for all of that? Uh, we use Brandios. Uh, Brandios is a great company that, that works with a number of minor league baseball teams to to tell stories, and and I think that that's um, you know that's what we're doing with, with Sholos is uh, we're telling the story of uh, you know the, that dog. We had a live Sholo at, at the press conference. Her name was Lily. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, and, uh, uh, and I, I mean she was the star of the show. Once once Lily came out, I don't think anybody looked at looked at me or looked at uh, anywhere else uh, uh, during the press conference. But uh, um, we're hoping to have Lily out to those four games as well and uh um and, and it's gonna be exciting so uh i guess you know what what are you look what <clears throat> so i'm I'm gonna try to get to a game this year and so as somebody awesome. who'll, who'll be new to the stadium haven't been to cool ray field yet what can you what can i expect how do you guys want me to walk out as far as how i'm feeling about my experience at the park goal with every single fan every single game is we want them leaving with a smile on their face win or lose uh, and that that speaks to that fan experience um, you know we have we, we have we've completely renovated our craft beer area the ballpark uh, we worked with a local craft brewery the first uh, craft brewery in Lawrenceville um, and it's gonna be our slow pour brewing tap house uh, we put uh, a, sl- a 15 foot by 8 foot garage door on that space to open it up and bring it out to the concourse and, um, and, and make sure that people can stop by there um you know from and and the the number one thing since i've joined the stripers that i've heard from people in our community is the experience at cool ray field is awesome because of the people that we have here and so from the time you pull into the parking lot to to the in-between inning games to you know you know everything from the baby shark cam to the the flex cam to interactive (laughs) things you know we want people leaving the stadium with a smile on their face win or lose and and that's the beauty of minor league baseball is oftentimes you know certainly we we have our diehard baseball fans and every every ballpark has them um but we focus on fan experience so that people can use this as a place where they can come with their families and sit down and grab a hot dog and have a conversation baseball is the last social sport um so to to have somebody come in and with a smile on their face and leave with a smile on their face win or lose that's the goal every single game we want to create those special memories well i do want to give you one last bit of kudos because you know everybody's got bark in the park i love that you call yours (laughs) wet nose wednesdays that's awesome absolutely every wednesday game bring your puffs to the ballpark bring out those wet noses so um, again, I mean, that's it, it, so many people who, who have anybody who has a dog knows that they love being able to take him certain places. And so um, on our Wednesdays, we want people bringing their dogs out to the ballpark and wet nose Wednesday is a great, uh, a great way to do that. <laughs> I love it. Well, you know, Adam, thanks so much for, for joining me on Let's Get Two. It's been great. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks again for having me and uh, uh, look forward to seeing you at Cool Ray Field. to close it out the right-hander from houston texas james christopher 
So as we close it out, we want to talk about some of the cool games that happened over the weekend, and then we're going to announce our players of the week for this episode. So congrats to the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, who defeated Rochester and are going to move to 7-3 to in the International League. That's a really tough league, and so to already jump out to seven wins is pretty impressive. We also want to congratulate the Delmarva Shorebirds, who improved to an impressive 6-1 by beating the Lakewood Blue Claws. Congratulations to the Shorebirds. And as for our Players of the Week, Keegan Aiken of the Norfolk Tides recorded 10 strikeouts in an April 10th start. He threw 78 pitches in the game and only 13 were balls. Obviously, you know, those of you who aren't too familiar with minor league baseball would think 78 pitches, that's not a lot, but they don't, they try not to throw these guys' arms out in the minors. And so to throw 78 pitches and only 13 of them miss the zone is incredibly impressive. And look, I might be prejudiced because I was there, but a very, very special shout out to Tyler Saladino of the San Antonio Missions for his inside the park home run. He had a fly ball to right center and, and narrowly escaped the tag at home plate for an inside the parker. Speaking of players, Chris Davis finally broke his record-setting streak and got a base hit. And I can say that I'm glad it's over. Not just for Chris, who I've read so many articles about him in this time, and he seems like a really decent dude. But I'm just tired of the jokes and tired of the negativity and tired of the memes that surrounded his streak. I think it's one thing if you're a loudmouth athlete and you talk like you're the best and then you go out and underperform. I think that's fair game. But Chris, by all accounts... Chris Davis seems like a nice enough dude who was out there struggling in what is what is professional sports most difficult game. The more you get into your head that you're not getting hits, the the less likely that those hits are going to fall. So I'm really, really happy that it's over for him. I do want to do a special shout out to the, the fans of Baltimore because he in one of his articles on ESPN said they've been really great and really supportive. So, again, just really glad it's over. But to end this on a positive note. But I want to end the show on a positive note because I love how baseball has a real power to bring things together. And I, stored, I stumbled upon two videos this week that really kind of showed what that can do. The first was a video from all the way back after the Boston Marathon bombers. And there's video of Yankee Stadium playing Sweet Caroline, which is, of course, a big tradition in Fenway Park. They had signs up that New York and Boston were together. But to watch the city of New York in Yankee Stadium, fans in pinstripes, singing that classic song that is now a tradition of the Boston Red Sox, really, really does show you the power of the sport and the power of the country. And I thought that was just a really, really beautiful thing to see that for some reason or somehow I hadn't seen. And finally, just really want to say how proud I am of the Birmingham Barons fans. One of their big traditions that's come to light this week is what they do during the seventh inning stretch. So they stand up, they stretch, and they sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game, but then they wave. Now, who are they waving to? They're waving to a children's hospital that overlooks the field. And it's their way of of sending a message to all those kids that are sick in the hospital that they're thinking of them and that they are putting their love, hope, and prayer to hoping that they get better. And... It's a beautiful thing to behold, and it's a really, really special thing that happens for that team. And so just, again, thank you to the Birmingham Barons fans for showing us how it's done. So that'll do it for Let's Get To this week. Actually, it won't, because not only are we Let's Get To, but we're going to get to episodes of Let's Get To. 
We'll have another episode on Thursday as we highlight the Fort Myers miracle in preparation for my big trip out there. And weather permitting, I'll be reporting from the Gwinnett Stripers and the Augusta Green Jackets. So until next time, I hope you dug the episode. And as always, let's get to it.